Welcome to Rewilding Love. This season is with a couple on the brink of divorce. This is episode 11, Key Relationship Takeaways. No one has the power over me to make me feel a certain way. And that's the rewilding, that we're all allowing ourselves to be rewilded by that innate intelligence that's moving towards balance and harmony. It's like re-watching a shitty movie over and over again, right? And the person next to you may be into it, and you're just like, oh my god, I can't wait for this to end. There isn't a magic how-to, but there is a power that comes from recognizing where experience comes from. Like, that's it. I think that's what builds like a cynical asshole, is they're so jaded from life and don't allow themselves new experiences. If ever there was a choirs of angels moment, that was for me in listening back to that. I feel like we've been so blessed to be given this opportunity to really do this whole process and reset our relationship and get a second chance of being newlyweds because we never really got that chance. It's not happening from the words. They're touching into that deeper place inside of themselves that is intangible, that is their essence, and they've clearly both been impacted by that. I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. That's right. Or wear my wobble on my sleeve anyway. You are listening to Rewilding Love with me, Angus Ross. And me, Rohini Ross. Rewilding Love is a podcast about relationships. We believe that love never disappears completely in relationships. It can always be rewilded. Listen in as we guide a real couple back to their natural state of love. Relax and enjoy the show. We're excited to let you know that we're going to be doing some Ask Anything podcast episodes. And so we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about the podcast, about relationships in general, or any other questions that you'd like us to answer. We'd love for you to send them in. And so you can send them in via email to info at therewilders.org, info at therewilders.org. Or if you'd like to send in your question anonymously, you can call your question in to 424-272-6497. That's 424-272-6497. In this episode, we're going to be listening to segments of the final session that we had with Alicia Mateo when we all came back together after our separate sessions. And it's really wonderful to hear what they're saying in their own words in terms of what they've seen and what they're taking away with them. Yeah, I think that this episode is wonderful. I feel like this episode is is kind of a celebration in a way of all that they've seen and all that they've learned and the insights that they've taken on board. It was really, it was wonderful to be there and uh, and I look forward to sharing it with everybody through this medium. And we do start off with you having a little bit of a wobbler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do, don't we? <laughs> you thought you'd throw that in for good measure. What about your wobblers? I'm sure you must have had the odd wobbler here and there. I have inner wobblers. <laughs> That's right. I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. That's right. Or wear my wobble on my sleeve anyway. I feel very out of sorts today. In a low mood. Sorry. I feel low mood. 
objective. I guess my worry this morning <clears throat> with them mm-hmm. is it seems like they were kind of both feeling a little bit awkward and perhaps they won't even maybe even have tested the water yeah in terms of what it looks like to get become intimate again well when I say intimate just having a nice feeling with one another or even discussed it I don't know I'm just worried that yesterday could have just been a flash in the pan oh but I thought you said he saw something well I felt like he did see something I guess there's a part of me thinks like it's all too good to be true I guess because I'm in the I'm in a low mood right we're out of sorts I'm seeing my world through that lens this morning mm-hmm. seeing everyone and everyone in it through that lens including you so can we um put that aside now yeah oh my goodness me i sound like such a diva <laughs> now you know what i deal with <laughs> i know what you have to put up with <laughs> on a regular basis but at least that's that's a healthier way for me to uh, to to negotiate that situation, I'm fessing up to the fact that I'm in a low mood, uh, and evidently I'm not taking it that seriously. Although obviously, um, I'm a little concerned about where our couple is at that point. And who knows? I can't even remember why I was out of sorts that morning. But I thought that's a good way to handle it. I thought so. I think it's good to demonstrate that we walk our talk. Yeah, no, I guess so. I'd forgotten that I had had that experience <laughs> on that morning. Um, and I think part of it was probably, I don't know why I had that concern that that, uh, that this wasn't holding. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I think that you were uh, picking up on some things that were still needing to be addressed. I guess so. I think your intuition was on track. Oh, I was too attached to a positive outcome, I guess. Why? In a sense that uh, if I had an intuition or an inclination that something was not quite right, that might be at loggerheads with my agenda of there being a positive outcome for what we were recording. And is that um, what was going on with your low mood? I wonder. I don't know. (laughs) And why were you so attached to a positive outcome? I think that's just my ego. I think that my ego would be inclined to tell me that uh, if we don't have a positive outcome, um, then it would not be so uh, marketable in terms of our end product. <laughs> I want my sentimental Hollywood ending. <laughs> I'm much more of a European indie film goer myself. You are. I tend to. I tend to want something. Uh, I want. I want my plot line tied up with a ribbon. You want the uh, Disney ending. I do want the Disney ending. Well, we don't get the Disney ending. Um, no, we don't get a Disney ending, but we get an ending. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close to the ending. Yes. We're, this is the final session that we have with them together. Uh, but we do have the follow-up sessions that take us on quite the journey after the intensive. And, and who's to say it's not a Disney ending? Maybe it's, uh, it's one of those... Uh, those um, experimental productions that a Disney producer might put money into. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new breed of Disney ending. Well, it's 
real life. It's not Disney. (laughs) There's one other thing that I wanted to say just about navigating the low mood. I wasn't particularly compassionate. As I listen back to that, I'm basically (laughs) silent. And I think that as I, I don't remember the specific moment, but I can recognize in myself sometimes how I'm doing an inward eye roll (laughs) and you have your low moods. And I'm guessing that that was what was going on for me at that point in time. I was probably thinking, I can't believe this. We're going into our final session. (laughs) What do you mean? You're out of sorts. And the, the best thing I could do at that point in time was to just bite my tongue. Yeah. And yet listening back, I feel like I can hear your inward eye roll, <laughs> if that probably doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But reading between the lines or listening between the lines, I would say that was pretty apparent. I'm fessing up to it. <laughs> you are. Um, and I think that I'm kind of in that moment fessing up to the fact that my ego has probably got the wheel um, and I'm, I'm being gripped by a low mood. And I don't have to take that seriously. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. Well, based on on the levity that I was probably uh, sharing with you at that point was evident that I wasn't taking it very seriously. And that we were able to just sort of air that out and move on. Yeah, taking it, not taking it seriously, but obviously feeling quite pissed at the same time. (laughs) You or me? Me. And I was at when I was doing the hike yesterday with our eldest daughter, Akasha, she said to me something that um, I found kind of helpful because she said that you and her have something in common where when you're in upset, you tend to externalize it or direct it externally. Mm-hmm. Whereas our younger daughter and myself, we tend to go more internal with our upset. Oh. And so it helped me see like, oh, you, you just tend to put words on an experience that I probably wouldn't talk about. And I don't really need to take that too seriously either. It's just the way that you're working through it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to to process that emotion. Um, And I think that probably we get ourselves into difficulty by feeling like we have to process it and make meaning out of it. I think, yeah, Akasha and I probably do have a tendency to uh to to sort of verbally flame throw <laughs> well she she was remembering how every time she would have a big school project that she would have this massive meltdown and then she would just go do it right which is which is very similar to how i operate <laughs> i know on so many levels <laughs> this podcast included <laughs> that's how i kind of get from a to b and for me to be able to to see that more neutrally and just recognize that that's just how things unfold for you and I don't need to take it personally and it is part of your creative process. <laughs> yeah, and, and just imagining it from your point of view, it's kind of like watching some sort of, some sort of comedy unfold. <laughs> it's like if I was to watch myself on a movie screen <laughs> behaving this way, I would probably find it quite funny. Next time it's going on, I'm going to have to play the Benny Hill soundtrack in my (laughs) mind while it's happening. Right. Or something of that ilk. Maybe something a bit more contemporary. Like what? I don't know. One of the TikTok themes you listen to? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, should we move on? Yes. 
All right, so we'll go into the uh, first segment of uh, the session with them. Okay. So for me, it's been very eye-opening, and I, uh, I can definitely see how my mind and um, the stories that I've created to shortcut um, you know, the, the inevitable of, of like a conversation or how things were going to play out. I always play it out in my mind first and it's like a rehearse, it's a rehearsal, right? I've rehearsed everything and now, um, I kind of understand how that could be detrimental because you're approaching every situation. Like, you know what the outcome is going to be um, instead of approaching it with an open mind. So, um, for me, it's kind of been, you know, when I was talking with Aang, it's just like releasing that narrative that I mm. built in my own mind mm. um, that really has affected our relationship. And I mean, even going beyond just our relationship, um, I can definitely see how, you know, creating these powerful stories in your mind can um, alter the real reality that you may be facing, right? You, you build this narrative that, you know, the outcome is going to be negative, but it could be that the other person is you know, just being their normal self and you're interpreting it like there's some, um, I can't think of the word right now, but... Uh, ulterior motive. Ulterior motive, exactly, <laughs> yeah. uh, to the line of questioning that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. rather than just letting it come to you and you just being normal and not um, following, you know, the uh, those powerful narratives that you've created in your own mind. It sounds like you see the benefit of showing up kind of fresh and open and really seeing what's there is that yeah definitely um absolutely now I mean that doesn't mean that like throughout a conversation it might not lead a certain way for me to be like okay this could be getting annoying but at least coming Mm -hmm. into a conversation with a clean mind Mm -hmm. and no um like I said not listening to those stories that I've Mm -hmm. built in my mind um I think that's a invaluable um, asset to have in a for this episode we're going to be sharing a lot of the takeaways that alicia and mateo got from spending time with us one to illustrate what they saw but also what they saw is very universal and can be generalized so we hope that it's helpful to everybody listening yeah and so um obviously what leaps out here is how he's willing now to release the narrative that he may bring to the table within any context or conversation. And I think that what he's ultimately pointing to, he's seeing the value of what it means to be present with my partner. So I think of the ways where I might, I mean, an example that I could give about how I would not be present, let's say for argument's sake, if I was going to go, uh, and teach a seminar that in the past I would have spent a great deal of time prepping for it, kind of almost creating a script for it. And in so doing, putting a a lot of pressure on myself to perform. And I've now since learned that that's not advisable. The best way for me uh, to show up uh, and teach a seminar is to be really in the moment and be really engaged with my audience. And in actual fact, when I show up that way, they're a lot more engaged. It's when I go to script that they tend to start yawning and falling asleep uh, or worse still react in a negative way. <laughs> but for him to be able to see that and realize that he is not only putting himself under a great deal of pressure 
uh, I mean, he's keeping his analytical machinery fully engaged, but he's actually ex the expectation is for her to fall into alignment with his script that he's created, and that any transgression on that front is going to be problematic and 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 contentious as far as he's concerned. So it's almost like he's waiting for her to slip up and woe betide if she does. And he's going to have probably a great deal of judgment if, in effect, she does slip up. So it's good to see that the greatest thing that he can bring to that situation is to be able to listen and to listen deeply and try and put himself in her shoes. And to be empathic in that way will be one step away from compassion and the love that really is their innate, essential selves in that relationship yeah so i think it's a really fantastic thing for him to see and to grasp hold of at this point absolutely in the next segment we hear more about him realizing the importance of presence and the importance of listening but for him to be able to recognize that he has a narrative running i think that's so key because once we realize that's what's going on we realize that the narrative isn't truth before this, he didn't even realize he had the narrative running. He thought he was just seeing reality as it is. And now at least he's recognizing, oh, he's been seeing the reality that he's making up in his mind. And that isn't necessarily what's really going on. Yeah, it's huge. He's, he's stepping out of the matrix. That's right. Well, let's hear his next part. You know, wanting to be in the conversation and actually listen is something that I've experienced the past day or two. I'm, I'm pushing away that, so I don't I don't know what the end of this conversation is going to be. So it's, it's allowing me to be more patient and not just tapping my foot and being like, okay, you know, we've hit step one, two, and three. I'm waiting for number four because mm -hmm. that's when, mm -hmm. you know, shit starts rolling downhill. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been very cool. That's great. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting way of putting it because that makes me see how, and I definitely feel like I've been guilty of that in the past, but see how when we have a very strong narrative and we almost have a script that we bring into play with that narrative, then we're kind of not really connected. We're not even present to hear the other person, what they've got to say. We're kind of like just waiting for the narrative to play out in the mm -hmm. way that we perceive it should play out. Yeah. And there's a disconnect just right there. It's like re-watching a shitty movie over and over again, right? And the, the person next to you may be, you may be into it, is probably into it, and you're just like, oh my god, I can't wait for this to end. All right, she's kissing him the first time here, they get in a fight here, and, you know. So it's, yeah, it's uh, approaching it with a fresh perspective, or not even a perspective at all. I know because it's so easy, based on the narrative that we're wanting, just to assume we know what the other per person is thinking and how they're going to behave and act. Mm -hmm. And for my, speaking for myself, invariably I'm so off base in terms of what I'm thinking of my young, you know, my youngest daughter at times. I would like totally think I know what she's going to do next, and I'd be completely off base. Yeah, and I think that's what builds a like a cynical asshole is you know just they're so <laughs> convinced with their story that. The, they're so jaded from life and don't allow themselves to experience life and mm -hmm. new um, new experiences. So uh, I could definitely see how you know it was definitely that that cynic and uh, <laughs> it's like okay, all right, let's approach the day with kind of a blank slate, but a blank slate to allow things to come to us, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was kind of cool. 
I love how Matteo is able to really see how jaded he had become in the relationship and that even after this fairly short time of settling down, having time with us, having time to connect with Alicia, he's able to approach her and the relationship from a much more open-hearted and open-minded space. Yeah, I love what he said. That he gets to reboot. Each day is a new day. Uh, and he can let go of the script. And just to be conscious of that alone allows him to show up and, and be fully engaged and present with her. And to see that throughout it all, we all have our own separate realities. And letting go of the need to anticipate what that means and just show up and, and try and, you know, try and be present, I think is huge. And it's a great reminder for all of us to recognize that we're spending most of the time living in our conditioned thinking, living in our story that isn't necessarily being present to what is, and how much better life is when we get out of our head and just get into the present moment. Yeah, and, and, uh, and get to see how we do. You're right, spend so much of our life in anticipation of what we believe will be happening next based on our conditioned conceptual mind. And in reality, what a far better way to be is just to be fully open to anything. And that's kind of what's exciting about life. We don't know what's going to happen next, but we spend so much of our time trying to anticipate exactly what is going to happen next and, and kind of really miss out <laughs> on what is, to, what is in actual fact taking place. Yeah, not only do we miss out on the experience of being present, but we also miss out on really being able to hear that inner guidance that is available to us when we're present. It's not available to us when we're caught up in our head, but when we're really present in the moment, we, we can tap into that. Yeah, isn't it interesting to think that our intuition is much more readily available to us when the analytical machinery is disengaged? Mm-hmm. And it can really only disengage itself when, when we're fully present and listening deeply within the context of, of a relationship being, you know, in partnership with someone else. Well, let's hear from Alicia. Sounds good. I think for me, just kind of reflecting on all of it, I, I feel like we've been so blessed to be given this opportunity to really do this whole process and try to, like, almost reset our relationship and get a second chance of being newlyweds because we never really got that chance because I was traveling a lot. And for me, I think that every single couple should go through this process and not in that moment that they're like, oh, no, now we have a problem. But from the very beginning, because I think from the personal growth perspective, you just learn so much more about yourself and then how to interact not only with your spouse, but everybody in your life and to not make up certain things or you know, when we have a conversation and I'm dead set on my thinking and I kind of shut you down to realize that that's, I could still have my strong thinking, but I don't have to approach it that way. And I can almost open my mind to potentially seeing it from another perspective and actually changing my hardcore decision. And even just like seeing things and, you know, everyone's going to go through their ups and downs and moods and that's, that's inevitable, but not taking it personally, even though Mm -hmm. you think it's a personal attack even though you think you're being judged, because I know that's something that you know that I suffer from a lot. Like, I'm always like, oh my God, they're judging me on something, just to realize that it's not me. And I can control that. And Mm -hmm. I get to control, like, how I perceive that and just walk away and just be like, okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to do it. And then just knowing that, like, 
you know, we spoke about a higher power and the spirituality of things and just to realize that that's a safety net and that even though we think that we have to be in control, sometimes you don't have to be in control and, you know, your own personal navigation system will lead you to what is going to get done and it's going to get done when it gets done. Right. Yeah. A lot lighter that way. It's a lot lighter that way. Very tranquil that way. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah, so just thinking like, you know, work tomorrow, for instance, like I have this running to-do list and I always remember thinking, usually on Sundays I get bad anxiety, like, oh my God, Monday's coming. Right. And then now I'm kind of just in that perspective, like, "Mm, that to-do list will get done. I don't have to like stress it now. It'll get done when it gets done and it'll get done next week and just go with it that way. So that way I don't put myself through all these crazy emotions and put some strain on like my heart and my stress. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. What stands out for me in this segment listening to Alicia is just her general state of mind seems to be there for us all to see with her level of enthusiasm for this whole intensive experience. And she's talking about I don't know, this is how I heard it, but she's talking about how couples should all, all couples should go through this at some point in their relationship. Almost like with our car, we, we, uh, we uh, set up on our calendar to do the service every 30,000 miles. It would be good to do something along those lines in relationship, just as a reminder, just as a tune-up, um, because we're constantly being exposed to... Uh, the realm of, of, of our conceptual mind and try to live our lives in that way. There are so many blind spots as far as that's concerned. Um, so it's a good reminder. And I love that, that she picked that up on. And I loved how enthusiastic she seems, which is an indicator to me that her mind has got pretty settled through the course of this weekend. Yeah, I think it's hard to really convey what happens in an in, in intensive because it's not in the words, her enthusiasm, her feeling of well-being, her open heart, the same with Matteo, his open heart, his uh, ability to see things fresh and new. I mean, they're, they're talking about it, but we got to sit with them and experience how that was coming from inside of them. And so we're just doing our best to convey that in the best way that we can, but it's not, it's not happening from the words they're touching into that deeper place inside of themselves that is intangible that is their essence and they've clearly both been impacted by that yeah i mean you could you could feel the discontent on the day that they arrived you could feel that discord it was palpable uh and now that's been replaced with with well-being you can you can taste it it's it's really beautiful what does it taste like <laughs> It's got a sort of uh, um, sweet and soft uh, center that uh, that nevertheless explodes with euphoric flavor. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll have some of that. And I also... with, with some very distinctive notes of love in there. <laughs> it makes me think of those candies that have those... Um things that sparkle in your mouth that's true yeah. you know what are those things you know you eat it and then it kind of there's a sort of explosive candy yes. yeah <laughs> well i've eaten chocolate with that i remember it? i think I, I gave one of those to my dog years ago no that is so mean <laughs> ultimately i think he quite enjoyed it but uh, it was nevertheless quite peculiar to him how old were you i think i was 12 okay. to be expected isn't it it is i'm glad your dog was okay <laughs> 
Uh, one other thing I did want to say about Alicia is that she is clearly experiencing much less anxiety. And I think that that was one of the key things that she got to see during this time was how much she was buying into her anxious thinking and how that was driving her and how much pressure that was creating inside of her and that was obviously having an impact on her mood. And so when she had that experience where the the feeling of anxiety lifted off of her, to me that was a really great sign that she was no longer identifying with those thoughts and able to be more present. And in that space, she's clearly got more perspective about not taking Mateo's low mood behavior personally. She's able to see that that's a reflection of his state of mind and it's not about her. And so I think both of those things, being able to live life with less anxiety by not identifying with those thoughts and having perspective on his low mood behavior is really gonna serve her well in the relationship. Yeah, I mean, how, how cool is that? And now we can hear Mateo having a click moment. All right. Yeah, and it's been said, I mean, this weekend a lot where you can't affect someone else's, like, mood. And I know Angus said it a lot, and it kind of just clicked with me right now in, like, a weird um, analogy. It's like, there's no remote control where I can just hit it and be, like, sad. (laughs) Um, But what it really is is whatever I'm saying in that moment could, you know, like, vice versa. It's easier for me to talk about it this way. Um, She doesn't have that remote control that's making me feel that way it's you know hearing the words and then attaching it to that narrative again and a, a, uh, um, a negative narrative or just an, a strong narrative in general which then creates my mood um, or my reaction which um, is really interesting because then it's pretty much like self um, self-induced anxiety right or self-induced anger or sadness because you know, you get this thought in your mind of something sad and then you run with it and then you think of all the other things that make you sad and you're just spiraling, right? Rather than just, hey, you know, there's no narrative. Don't create one. Don't fall back into an old narrative. Just, you know, just process it. Kind of like, you know, with meditation, the the thought comes and you just push it away. Like, thanks for stopping by. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and um, it's just really interesting because it, it just kind of made sense through remote control. That's- I had this, this, this thought for myself, it's almost like, you know, when you go, if I could go shopping and I'd be in a certain mood, I would shop for different things. But if I went through like a supermarket in a certain mood, um, I would like be throwing certain things in the bag. But if I'm in a low mood, like my mood is just looking for things that correlate to that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of that judgment, a little bit of this judgment. <laughs> a spice of that. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of how it operates in a way. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And before it's you know it, you're laden with this giant car full of crap. Like, yeah. This is going to be. Johnny Walker and donuts. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, I guess he actually was listening to you when you were telling him in all kinds of different ways where his experience was coming from and how it wasn't being caused by her. Yeah, <laughs> that was. That. If ever there was a choirs of angels moment, that was for me in listening back to that. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I threw everything at him but the kitchen sink, I feel, in that respect. Um, but what's so interesting is that it took one comment from Alicia 
to to make him suddenly realize i don't know maybe it was kind of an egoic thing it's like wow she's got something here maybe if she's seen this and she's obviously evidently drunk the kool-aid <laughs> maybe there is something here after all so that click moment for him is like i guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back he finally lined up all the dots, but he, God boy, did he fight that. <laughs> but what a great metaphor. I mean, he came up with that metaphor himself. It's a really clear indicator that he understands that she can't cause his experience. Yeah, I mean, it's like everything led up to that moment. He finally got it. He finally, we got to witness him have the insight real time, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And just again, just goes to show how powerful metaphor is in terms of how you, how you explain something that really is formless. And we can't be attached to where they get that click moment from. <laughs> I, I know. I don't take any ownership for that click moment whatsoever. Me neither. In fact, I feel a little bit bereaved of ownership. It was more to do with Alicia and her explanation that maybe, as I say, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. But thank goodness we got there in the end. That's fantastic. Yeah. No, it's really exciting. And I quite like your shopping cart metaphor, too. <laughs> I know filled with Johnny Walker and donuts, as he says. <laughs> mine would be filled with uh, chocolates and chips. <laughs> I don't know what mine would be filled with. <laughs> and so even though he's had his click moment, what we talk about next, I think is really important, is that we can have an insight, but there's still going to be a learning curve as we integrate that insight into our life. Yeah, and even as he was having this sort of wonderful moment, um, there was a part of me realizing, you know, that's just one wonderful moment. There will be plenty of blind spots in your future. <laughs> so don't let's get carried away here. But nevertheless, he can't unsee what he's seen. Exactly. Um, no, yeah, it's really cool. And, and just kind of knowing that, and I, I understand too, right? It's like, it's an exercise and you kind of have to remind yourself. It's not this thing where it's like, oh, we just, you know, snapped our fingers and it's working. It's, you know, you're going to have those moments where, you know, you're going to start building that narrative, but it's it's important to be able to snap and understand that it's just a narrative. Yeah. That's just fine. to Sorry. listen innocently from like the start where there is, it could have made something in your head, but it wasn't going there. It was yeah. just like an innocent conversation yeah. too. So yeah. it's better to kind of look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also really good to sort of to to reflect on what you just said is about it's not something that's just gonna like you're gonna snap out of it and change overnight. And I think that a lot of personal growth workshops probably try and give you that magic bullet and you think you've got everything mm -hmm. figured out. I'm gonna go into my life now and everything is gonna be peachy. And then what happens is when it's not peachy, it's like, oh no, I completely fucked up. It's like I can't, you know, I'm not gonna be able to get through my life. I need to find something else, I need to find the next thing. But this is what this understanding is so practical is because we're saying actually, you know, we're all human beings. We're going to have those moments. We're going to relapse back into our thinking. We're going to take each other and ourselves personally, mm -hmm. but we're just going to get better at coping with it. Yeah. We're going to get a lens for it. We're going to see it for what it is. And as you say, it is like that muscle that starts to develop over time. Right. And that's a much healthier outlook than thinking, yeah, I need that magic bullet. Yeah. If it doesn't work, what does that say about me? Maybe I'm beyond help. Yeah, definitely. And I think for us, at least, we both had these aha moments, I think, that the, through this past weekend. But I think it from 
the outside looking in, it was really cool to see that like he was getting very anxious last night at dinner. And typically what would have occurred is then the rest of the night's ruined. Right. And then he's done. And he's upset about it. And then I'm like, great. Now, somehow I had something to do with it. But even yesterday when you realized you were getting that angry thing, you kind of reset yourself. And we left that right then and there at that table. And we continued on. Still had a great night regardless of the fact. Like, we didn't let any of the little BS for 10 minutes anger us and just got to enjoy it and got to enjoy the rest of the night. Yeah, yeah I just realized that, you know, I was upset in the moment at my situation of having to wait so long <laughs> for food. And usually then I'd, I'd say, man, she's prying, right? Because mm. I'm in a low mood. I'm like, she's prying for something. <laughs> yeah. She's not just, you know, innocently asking me about these questions. And when I got it, there was that moment of like, oh, my God, she's prying. But then, like I said, I... I took back and I was like, no, man, she's not. I'm just really pissed out. We're just waiting here, waiting for an hour. I'm not feeling well. Yeah. And, uh, no, it was, it was really cool. Um, it was really cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I am excited to, right, to, to strengthen that muscle. I'm really glad that you emphasize the importance of the learning curve because it's really nice to have these experiences where we get clarity, we get a glimpse of what's available. But in order to make it sustainable, there's typically a learning curve for people in order to integrate that understanding. And so it's important to help prepare them as they go back into their life as to how they're going to navigate that learning curve and to not have these unrealistic expectations that, oh, now they've got it all figured out, everything's going to be uh, nice and easy all the time. What they've got in terms of the work ahead of them is to really put into practice everything that they've seen in this intensive and to show how it plays out in real life. And the example at the restaurant, I think, is a really great example of how they're already doing that. And they were able to have that experience but not have it derail their evening. He was able to recognize that he was in a low mood and that's where his um, negative thinking was coming from and that he didn't need to get on board with it. And Alicia was able to not take his behavior personally. And so something that might have really created a downhill spiral for them actually ended up you know, being a molehill and not a mountain. Yeah, and I, I love the way that he's referring to his learning being analogous with a muscle that he's developing. And it was great that they had that experience in the restaurant because it was a small little reference point that now will hopefully uh, be something that they can access at a point in the future when, when there, is a, there is a bigger blind spot that will come their way, which is inevitable. Um, but, you know, in the way that he's talking about that muscle development, for me, that's, it's more about the awareness that is taking hold. And it's not a magic bullet and it's not a technique. Uh, it's not something he can put in his tool belt. It's, it's an awareness of how, uh, the mind works and operates. And he can see this is a train of thought that I don't necessarily need to get on now. And if I do, that's going to be a reflection of my state of mind that's probably gone south. So I can kind of like weather that storm. I'm much better equipped now to weather, weather that storm when it emerges. And the reference to the restaurant is, is a good example of that. Yeah, so far, so good. So far, so good. And in the next segment, I talk more about how 
progress looks, which can look somewhat paradoxical. Yes, it, it, in, 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 and I think that it's in that paradox uh, that we get to, to question ourselves and we get to grow and learn. What you're both describing is that you both had sort of a shift in understanding. And when we have a shift in understanding, we see life differently. So that's what you're experiencing. We're like, oh, I'm not bothered by her eating. So from this understanding, you were bothered by her eating. From this understanding, oh, no problem, it's fine. Now what happens at this level of understanding, when you get destabilized, it will feel worse than it felt at this level of understanding because your sensitivity to it has gone up. It will feel, so less disturbance is gonna feel bigger than it used to feel down here. Mm -hmm. Is this making sense to you? Mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying, because it can be kind of um, a shock and can feel like that um, you're backtracking, but it's actually an important measure of progress because what would have felt normal or just, you know, whatever, not a big deal before is now going to be tapping you on the shoulder and you're noticing that to realize that, oh, I am stirred up now. Like you're going to get aware of the warning signals sooner and they might feel a little worse but that's actually a good thing because it's waking you up mm -hmm. yeah it's like we've built up a tolerance and yes. then we're removing the tolerance exactly yeah. that's exactly it exactly it so so you don't want that tolerance <laughs> so let's not buy chips <laughs> <laughs> well no but in a, in a good state of mind it'll be not a problem but when she her chip eating starts bugging you you're gonna realize like, oh, I'm stirred up because she doesn't have the remote control, right? Right. I'm stirred up. Like that's gonna be one of your warning signals maybe that's like, oh, I'm in a bad state of mind. Yeah, we're gonna get more attuned to our own personal state of mind. We'll be realizing when we're stirred up. And I think that, 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 that that's the tendency is to feel like, oh God, my, 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 uh, my mood at this moment is, is really amplified. What does that say about me? That's the sort of old narrative that we were running. But really, we're just much better equipped to notice it more. And I think that's where the change and the muscle development come, kicks in, is we just get to see our mood in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And then we don't necessarily, you know, we're, not less, we're far less likely to run with it, although there will initially be that tendency to judge it. Oh, I should be beyond this. I shouldn't be having this, this reaction. Mm -hmm. But those, those old neural pathways are compelling. So, you know, that's going to be quite typical to begin with. Yes, I like that what you talked about in terms of tolerance. It's like if you've been walking with a rock in your shoe and just used to it, like learned how to live with a rock in your shoe, you take the rock out, your foot feels really good. It's like, this is great. But then you get a little rock in your shoe, like, ow, oh, this really hurts now. Mm -hmm. Whereas you wouldn't even notice that little rock before because you had the big rock in your shoe. So it's like, but it's a good thing. You want to notice that the rock's there so you can take it out sooner, which would mean take care of yourself. And, and in terms of letting the mind settle, like it's what we're sharing is so simple because it's really about learning how to help yourself and let your mind settle and you figure out what that is by listening real time to what makes sense to you. So if you know that when the mind is stirred up, it's not its natural state, you have to work at it. Like you said, you know, you have to work at that narrative to keep it going. When you're um, realizing that's what's going on, you'll know real time what to do when that's happening because if you're in the middle of work, you'll do something different than if you're at home and maybe you could go walk the dog, like mm -hmm. you were saying. But you'll kind of realize and be on the learning curve of, oh, what helps me when my mind gets stirred up? Maybe it is going to be, you know, meditation or something in that moment. But 
it's not never going to be one thing and the power isn't in the technique that you use the power is in understanding what's going on and that's oh i've got a stirred up mind and then it you disengage from that in whatever way you choose to it's going to naturally settle and even if you engage with it and run with it because i still do that eventually i'm going to stop we have to stop we don't do it forever and eventually my mind's going to settle so i might have suffered a lot longer if i really run with it but mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world and you just start to see like oh the natural state of the mind is to come back to peace and when we're at peace, the world, our relationships, our work, our life, it it's, looks good. And we can, even if there is something challenging, we can figure out what to do in that situation. When our mind is stirred up, life can be great and it doesn't look like it. It looks terrible because we're just looking at it through that lens of a stirred up mind. So you both will just get a feel for what you're how you're looking at life like am i looking at it through the stirred up state of mind if i am i can't take my thinking seriously right now i'm a little crazy and if i'm looking at it from a you know a nice peaceful state of mind we know that because of our feeling state and we can kind of trust ourselves and trust our thinking and we'll you know the best of us will come out at those times what i've noticed too and what people talk about is that when the mind is more settled so i love what you're recognizing that you can be stirred up even if it's thinking about something good but when your mind is more settled, just life impacts us more. Like we feel the beauty of the ordinariness of life. Like we look at this and if we're in a really stirred up mind, we wouldn't even notice this view. Mm -hmm. But in a peaceful state of mind, like, wow, look at that, it's amazing. And we mm -hmm. feel it, like we feel the beauty of that. And, and everyday life has that capacity to impact us in beautiful ways. But when we're really stirred up, it's like can't get through. Nothing really gets through. Or, that feeling, because the feeling is inside of us. Like when I look at that, there's no remote control from that view to how I feel either. But I can feel those feelings that are inside me that kind of just fill me up when I look at something beautiful mm -hmm. when I'm in that state of mind to do that. So it's not the view, because I could have a very different experience with that view. It's like where I'm at inside of myself. And it's nice to be able to feel the beauty and the joy and the richness of life that's inside of us, just living our daily lives. Oh, I, I love that uh, that rock in the shoe metaphor. I thought that was really good. Was that original? I think so. Yeah, very impressive. Because I feel like, uh, yeah, it's so easy to to think that uh, that uh, that we lose that sense of tolerance that. Uh, all of a sudden uh, we're back to our old ways when in actual fact we have had a shift in consciousness we've removed that giant rock and all of a sudden that tiny little pebble that insignificant pebble suddenly starts to look like a real problem uh, I think that that really is something that's 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 worthy to talk about here I agree because it is paradoxical like I said earlier and it can be confusing to people because they think that they won't have a low mood after they've had a shift in consciousness or they think that they won't uh, get stirred up after a shift in consciousness but that's not how it works we actually notice it more when we're caught up we notice it sooner because we are so aware of the disturbance and it feels worse when we feel bad. It doesn't feel better. And that's actually a really good thing because we want to know what our state of mind is. And we want to be able to 
have that feedback from our emotions let us know. And so he's going to be more acutely aware of that. And she's going to be more acutely aware of that. And having them recognize that that's the health of the feedback system working in a way that they had overrided it overrode it overridden it <laughs> how do you say that i think overridden maybe in the way that they overrode it in the past that they were ignoring it and they weren't noticing the check engine light was on but now hopefully they are going to notice it and it's going to feel bad but that's a good thing if you touch a hot stove you want it to hurt you want that feedback yeah you know when i reflect on my own experience Prior to this understanding, I felt like with each new technique I may have learned at some personal growth workshop, I think I came away thinking, well, I shouldn't have low moods anymore. And that was a big mistake and really what got me into trouble. And to realize that that's part of the human experience. And really what we are trying to share here is how to be better at negotiating those low moods, that they're inevitable, that we don't have to take them nearly so seriously. And uh, we can tolerate them, and it doesn't mean anything. And that tiny little pebble is, is, is very insignificant, but we have a tendency to make all kinds of meaning out of it in the same way that when that low mood reared its ugly head post uh, some sort of personal growth workshop that you would have dragged me to, um, when that happened and that reared its ugly head, I was like, oh, gosh, our marriage is just, you know, is just, is just destined to, to fall by the wayside here uh, and make all kinds of meaning out of it. And that was just, you know, it's kind of like with those low moods, the circus would come to town. But with us, this understanding, there's a low mood. Yeah, you know what? The circus can, can stay home today. Being human is a circus. Being human is a circus. The human experience for sure is a circus. And when we have a shift in understanding, our low mood from that shift may be better than our high mood before we had that shift, but it feels bad. Yeah. So that's the irony and the paradoxical part of it is that it feels terrible when it actually could be way better than it was before. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that interesting? And then also I think about the times where, for whatever reason, we're at a low ebb. And that's why I think it's important to think that there will be blind spots and expect blind spots because it's in those blind spots where, yeah, the circus came to town without us even noticing it. <laughs> well, we're all learning and growing. Yeah, absolutely, always. The other piece that I think was important is to recognize that we will have less tolerance when we have that shift in consciousness. We are going to be more sensitive to our state of mind, but we also, from that shift and from a clearer state of mind, are able to experience life more fully. We're able to be impacted by the beauty of the experience, by the love in our heart, that we're more open to that as well. So it's not all downside, that the upside is that we have a much greater ability to be impacted by our deeper nature. Yeah, it's all about presence, isn't it? Something that we had discussed was like the Valentine's Day thing where the expectations sometimes and like getting stirred up and realizing that's on your own emotions, but then realizing when to engage and when not to because me kind of projecting to you and being angry with you on Valentine's Day 
did not get my real point across at all and didn't accomplish anything and what and maybe it's revisiting it when you are in a natural state which would have just been just give me a phone call and let me know that you're two hours late I know that we're not we didn't have a plan of when we're going to come up here and that's partially like my fault as well but just to have known like at least a little bit of an idea of like when the time frame was that you would be home so we can just plan accordingly mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference is like just realizing that state that later on once you know that you you can come to terms with what really did yeah. kind of bother you yeah it's like there's a difference between uh, well one we talked about how you, nothing good gets worked out in that mm-hmm. moment when one person even if it's just one person that's reactive nothing good's going to come from it and so to be able to leave that alone and just wait to get into a neutral state and we talked about neutral um, how we can misjudge neutral because I got a text from one of my clients that I work with and I had just suggested a website designer to her because she's looking for someone to do that and I got this text back like oh this one blah 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 I'm like oh boy okay sorry I won't recommend her to anybody else again and then she emailed me she was you know I'm so sorry I thought I was neutral when I sent you that text that I read it and I realized like I was completely not neutral so to be able to really get clear about what neutral is is so important so after any kind of upset to be neutral is a good feeling it's an open heart there's no attachment there's no criticism there's no wrong making it's just like hey and then there's maybe even personal responsibility like oh I realized we didn't you know I didn't um, clarify when we're leaving and you know it's like and then you can figure things out from that place but from the other place of where we're compelled to try and get our point across it's like we that's the learning curve to be like no this is the time to zip it up mm-hmm. you know this is the time to use my feeling state as my indicator that I am not on the GPS of my higher power and I'm in yeah. the loop of whatever is going on and then it's like just like a da- it's like almost like an avalanche like that's really what I was upset about was just the non-communication of like the time frame of coming home to then then it just started spiraling where they're yes. like then it's Valentine's Day and no yeah. ki- and no treat yeah, yeah. and no card when I should have just been like I'm eating your chocolate and <laughs> I'm gonna have a good time like you know like instead of just making it up yeah. in my head and just being angry about everything and then blowing up that moment when in actuality that day was great like I had a great day at work I had a great day I was excited to pack and and get over Mm -hmm. here and drop off the dog and I literally made the most minuscule thing that I could have stated later on or if I had been in a neutral mind just stated that in that moment but because I wasn't then everything irked me yeah and it wasn't even about stupid Valentine's Day it wasn't about any of that it was just like I wish I would have just known the time frame yeah yeah yeah, and so and so something that's that you know simple when you're in a good state of mind, like oh that's kind of common sense, becomes mm-hmm. the end of the world, yeah, crisis, and it's like oh that from that to that in thirty seconds, how does that happen? That's yeah. that's how we are as human beings. I thought it was really cool how Alicia just naturally started to revisit some of her big concerns that she came in with and see them from a different vantage point. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? And that, again, is that it's much easier to revisit those situations from uh, the state of mind that she currently now finds herself in, which is a much more settled state of mind, much more neutral state of mind. Yeah, and she sees lots of possibilities now that she didn't see at the time. Yeah, and, and she's much more philosophical about it rather than caught up in, in judgment. Absolutely. Mateo still has some questions, though. He's got some worries. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that was inevitable. 
and you'll hear about Mateo's worries in the next episode. In the meantime, please send in your questions or topics you'd like us to discuss in our Ask Anything episodes by either emailing them to us at info at therewilders.org, that's info at therewilders.org, or by leaving a voicemail at 1-424-272-6497. That's 1-424-272-6497. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to Rewilding Love. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by subscribing on iTunes, and we would love for you to leave a review there iTunes reviews will steer people to this podcast who need help with their relationships. If you would like to learn more about our work and our online rewilding community, please visit our website, therewilders.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next week.